Welcome to English in 10 Minutes, real, unscripted English conversations about people, places, and their stories. After you listen to the episode, visit EnglishIn10Minutes.com. Today, Wendy and I are coming to you again from Malta. And as we've talked about, we've traveled through southern Italy and Malta over the past couple of weeks. And in traveling from Rome to Naples to Sicily and to Malta, we've actually followed basically exactly the life and flight of our favorite painter, who is Caravaggio. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't entirely an accident because we like to see Caravaggio paintings where we can. But he was an Italian painter of the late 16th and early 17th century, an incredibly famous painter. And he had an extremely interesting life as well, uh, and it was filled with all sorts of drama, including crimes committed by him, mm-hmm. uh, which is part of the reason that he traveled in the later part of his life to these other areas, because he was trying to escape justice. Mm-hmm. Um, and But the result is that he's left these paintings in these various places, which we've been visiting over the past few weeks. Yeah. Um, because we used to live in Rome, we're quite familiar with the Caravaggio paintings that are there in Rome, uh, but there are others that we had never seen before, and so we finally got a chance to see them. I mean, we had seen reproductions of them, we'd read about them in books, and knew what they looked like, but uh, we had never stood in front of the actual canvas before, and uh, so on this trip we got a chance to do that on a number of occasions. Right, and as a way of preparing for this, I decided to reread a biography of Caravaggio that I had read before and that you had read before as well, mm-hmm. um, which is called M, and it's quite a controversial biography because it's very non-academic, and I think he makes, the author Peter Robb makes quite a few uh, assumptions or he speculates based on various things, and I think some people didn't like the book at all. I happen to love the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but really to appreciate the paintings of Caravaggio really helps to understand his life, to understand what he was doing, why he was painting the way that he was, and it really helps the paintings come out in a, in a way that uh, you otherwise wouldn't know about. So it's not just, for me, it's not just about looking at a painting and, and being able to enjoy it for what it is necessarily, but understanding the story behind it, mm-hmm. how he painted it, why he painted it the way he did, um, what his situation was, who are the people who are models in the painting, mm-hmm. and all these things come together to really make a story. Right. Uh, and it's not the just the story that's being told on the canvas. Right. Uh, because usually they are religious themes. Not always, but the majority are religious themes because they're often found in churches or, you know, they were commissioned uh, by churches or pe- people who are part of the church. Um, so they're telling a Bible story, and it's uh, some of them are more well-known than others, but uh, it's often a story that, you know, you've seen in paintings many times before, but that's not really the interesting part. The interesting part is, like you said, who were the models? Because the faces are faces of real people who he had met in his life, and sometimes we know who those are, um, or historians have been able to figure out who they are because these same faces keep cropping up in different paintings that he's painted at different periods of his life. Um, so yeah, it's when you know a little bit about him and what he was going through at the time, it makes it a lot more interesting. Right. So I think probably the two most interesting, interesting things about Caravaggio's painting uh, firstly, that he painted from real life, 
which means that he had models and he painted directly while looking at the models. He didn't draw them in advance and then paint them later. He painted directly on the canvas uh, with the models. So this would have been very demanding on the models, firstly, mm -hmm. because they would have had to have sat for him for a long time. Um, and the other thing is his use of light and shadow, which is really the hallmark of his painting. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, In Italian, it's called the chiaroscuro effect. So um, chiaro meaning light or light colored and scuro meaning dark. So it's this play between light and shadow, lightness and darkness. And uh, that's really the hallmark, the outstanding feature of all of his work. And so when he was living in Rome, it appears that he had a room that he painted completely in black and had only one light source coming through it, which was exactly how he liked to have his paintings look. Mm -hmm. And so he would have his models in there and he would be painting from life like that. And nobody else painting at the time could really get that same kind of balance between the light and the dark. Yeah, and a lot of people have tried after him. Um, so often in museums, you'll see paintings. Sometimes they don't even know who the actual painter was. They don't necessarily know his name, but they'll just say, this painting is of the school of Caravaggio, meaning basically this person was trying to imitate Caravaggio. And it's it's identifiable from a mile away. You know, as soon as you walk into a room in a museum, you can see, oh, that was in the style of Caravaggio, but they're never as good as his. No one could really do it the way that he did. And the other thing that you touched on a little bit regarding the models is that what he also did was that he painted what he would call real scenes. And so you were mentioning that he was doing a lot of these biblical paintings because he was commissioned to do so by churches. Mm -hmm. And But typically, if you think of the paintings that are in churches, they'll be there'll be bright skies, there'll be lots of angels around, mm -hmm. and and it'll be very saintly or very holy in those ways. And Caravaggio didn't paint like that. No. And he didn't like painting like that. And sometimes he would paint a, an altarpiece, for example, for a church who had commissioned it, and then they would reject it. Once yeah. they saw it, they didn't want it because yeah. it wasn't what they wanted. Because what he would do is he would depict ordinary life. Mm -hmm. And extraordinary people, such as the Virgin Mary or such as some of the saints, but just in very ordinary clothing with maybe dirty feet or something like that. And that was a little bit offensive to the people who were commissioning these works, but it was just the way that he painted it. And it was what made him uh, so different, along with some of the other things that we've mentioned, from the other artists who were working at the time. Yeah. And, yeah, there were definitely no cute little angels flying around or no blue skies and fluffy clouds, nothing like that. Uh, usually there's very little background to the paintings. It's basically all black and darkness. And then you just have these figures who are being illuminated by some source of light. Um, but, you know, the light is lighting it up just enough for you to see them and their faces and, you know, just the, the parts that you need to see to understand the story. And then that's that. There's no background behind it. And you'd also use well-known prostitutes in Rome as models for people like the Virgin Mary, which is also quite scandalous, <laughs> as, you as, can you can, imagine, as you yeah. can imagine. And eventually he was, in fact, uh, convicted of murdering somebody in Rome and he had to flee from Rome. Mm -hmm. And he made his way to Naples and then he started doing amazing painting in Naples, and eventually he moved on uh, to Malta because they offered him the chance to become a knight of Malta, mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. um, because uh, the Knights of St. John of Jerusalem had moved to Malta by that point. So he was given this knighthood in Malta, and he painted an incredible painting, which is the beheading of John the Baptist, which we saw here in, in Malta. It's in the capital, Valletta. And then he committed some kind of crime there and had to escape from there, and he went to Sicily. And it's interesting that as he continued to move to these different places on the run, he became more and more famous because he was leaving behind this trail of paintings wherever he went, and they were becoming darker. Um, And it's just so interesting to see how he was still able to paint these incredible paintings at a time when lots of people were trying to uh, catch him or even kill him. Yeah, yeah, he was experiencing great turmoil in his own personal life. And in some ways that is reflected in the paintings. Like you said, they're becoming darker and, um, yeah, more kind of brooding and moody. Um, right, well, there's one in particular, which is uh, David killing Goliath, mm. where his own head is the head of Goliath, and it's been severed, and then David is just holding up the, the head, and it's his own head, and that was right after he fled from Rome originally. Right, and uh, he did uh, meet his own death uh, soon after this period that we're talking about, and uh, to this day, no one really knows exactly how he died, or under what circumstances. So there's still a lot of mystery surrounding him. Yeah, it appears that there are a lot of powerful people both trying to kill him and trying to protect him. And it wasn't because he was from a noble family or anything like that. It was purely related in terms of the protection to the painting. Mm. The powerful families that were trying to protect him were doing it because they wanted more of his paintings. Right. But in the end, they weren't able to protect him completely. And as you said, he met his, his death at the age of 39 in mysterious circumstances. And now all we have left is to look at the paintings. Unfortunately, we do still have those. And uh, they are, for the most part, well-preserved uh, and have been for several hundred years now. And so he has left a great legacy behind. Thanks for listening to English in 10 Minutes. To download a worksheet for this episode, including the most useful vocabulary and a full transcript of the conversation, visit EnglishIn10Minutes.com.